Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, April 13th. Seven in-custody deaths this year. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Millions of gallons of wastewater have poured into the U.S. from Mexico. The agency responsible for overseeing wastewater infrastructure in the Tijuana River Valley will take action to mitigate the problem. That's under a settlement announced yesterday. The settlement sets forth a series of actions that are to be taken. If not completed, the lawsuits that led to the settlement will be revived. The lawsuits allege the U.S. section of the International Boundary and Water Commission violated the Clean Water Act by allowing polluted water and trash to flow into the U.S. for years. A San Diego judge reaffirmed his ruling that invalidated the contract for the carnival rides operator for this year's county fair. Judge Kenneth Metal had previously ruled that there was enough evidence to suggest the bidding process for the contract was rigged. Board President Joyce Rowland said at a Tuesday board meeting that the fair will work to find a way to comply with the court order. I want to assure everyone that we're doing everything possible to preserve a full uh, carnival mid way at the fair. Fair officials had previously said that if a stay was not granted, the fair could be canceled. A superior court judge says Santee must throw out the approval of a project that was slated to build 3,000 homes in the hills northeast of San Diego. The San Diego Union-Tribune reported that the judge expressed concern that the plan didn't fully address whether the new residents would have time to evacuate during an emergency like a wildfire. The developers say the project isn't dead and that they will revise the environmental impact report to address the judge's concerns. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. For the seventh time this year, an inmate has died while in custody of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department. The department has been under scrutiny since a state audit found inmate deaths at San Diego County jails ranked among the highest in the state. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado tells us civil rights groups met with the interim sheriff on Tuesday to discuss the issue. This meeting comes as another man died in custody on Monday. The fact that we just had a seventh death in the county jails yesterday demonstrates the urgent need now. Shane Harris, the president of the People's Association of Justice Advocates, scheduled the meeting before the latest death. Going to jail should not be a death sentence. And that is what I told the sheriff, and that is what I asked the sheriff to think about when he goes home at night. 
He said he pressed the interim sheriff to endorse the Saving Lives in Custody Act, the legislation that would make the department put in place recommendations made by a state audit of deaths in San Diego County jails. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. More granny flats for those with low to moderate incomes could be on their way to San Diego. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer explains. The San Diego City Council has approved a new amendment to get more accessory dwelling units, known as ADUs, built for low-income households by providing incentives to their owners. Daniel Skolnick is a real estate broker and developer. He's been at the forefront of building ADUs in San Diego. And right now, the average timeline to build the multifamily structure takes anywhere from three to four years. By the time you scout the site, do, the, do all the permitting and development, architecture, construction, you're three to four years from the time you scout to the time you stabilize. That's a really long timeline. He says ADUs can be built in half the time. Under the new rules, landlords can build a second unit to rent at market rate if the first one is rented to low-income tenants for 10 years or moderate-income renters for 15 years. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. For more than 100 years, San Diegans who live in single-family homes haven't had to pay for trash pickup. But a new poll suggests voters might be willing to support a ballot measure that would change that, the so-called People's Ordinance. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser says there's one thing in particular about the ordinance that voters liked. That's free replacement of trash bins. San Diegans' trash bins are frequently broken by trash trucks. As a KPBS investigation back in 2019 found, San Diegans ordered more than 17,000 replacement bins in just one year. People don't like the fact that they feel they get nickel and dimed when their trash can breaks and they and they call the city. Mike Zuquette is the general manager of the city's white collar employee union. The San Diego Municipal Employees Association paid for a poll that found people are far more likely to support paying a fee for trash collection when you include the provision to, quote, provide free containers for curbside pickup. In fact, it added nine points to the overall support for the measure. And that was KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. If approved by the city council, the measure would be on the November ballot. Coming up, we bring you the next installment of KPBS's Let's Talk About It. It's a new series where we answer tough questions from listeners like you. How can we have a conversation and not let it get to, like, someplace extreme? And, like, how do we keep someone's focus. That's next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. 
We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. In our ongoing series, Let's Talk About It, we answer your questions about race and equity. In part two of the series, KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim takes a look at the art of difficult conversations. When you first meet Seche Kwamunana, you might notice her big smile or her unique one-of-a-kind clothing that she designs herself. I like to integrate cultures. My outfit here is this is the African country girl. <laughs> An immigrant from Cameroon, she calls herself a bridge maker between cultures and ideas. I am a diversity, equity and inclusion practitioner and a facilitator for the National Conflict Resolution Center. For her, this work isn't a nine to five job. It's how she lives her life. Almost two years ago, at the height of the 2020 racial justice protest, Kwamunana was living in Santee. On the corner of Mission Gorge and Kuyamaka Street, which is where the, the protests, the bulk of the protests were happening. And then on the other side of the streets were counter protesters. The air was thick with tension. I could not imagine how can anybody be counter protesting this? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. So she walked over to them to try to understand. It didn't go particularly well. One man approached her and told her, Oh, I can't breathe, which I found very offensive because we're on the other side holding signs that said, I can't breathe. And I felt like he was saying it in a bit of a mocking way. She walked away, gathered herself, but then kept coming back, listening and also explaining her experiences as a Black woman. All this to say, Kwamunana knows how to have a tough conversation, which is what makes her the perfect person to answer this week's audience question. It comes from 36-year-old Lamisa storekeeper and artist Alon Nakash. He's a first-generation Iraqi-American who says he's noticed it's hard to talk to people with different political views because people tend to shut down. He asks, How can we have a conversation and not let it get to, like, someplace extreme? And, like, how do we keep someone's focus? Drawing from her experiences, Kwamunana has three tips for Nakash and others looking to have tough conversations. First, go into these conversations not with an intention to destroy, with an intention to engage. If you're going with the aim of, I want to destroy, you shut down very fast. Secondly, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Expect discomfort and see it as okay, in fact, necessary. We cannot grow without discomfort. And finally, we come to conflict when our narrow experiences lead us to different conclusions about how the world really is. Get into a conversation, not to prove that you're right, but to sharpen your understanding of the issues. But she says it's important to remember that engaging in conversations isn't always possible when the other person is unwilling to hear you. Mutual respect and dignity are key, she says, because tough conversations are not about giving equal credence to people who spew hate or racism. Self-care is choosing not to engage with people who are committed to misunderstanding you. That's kind of my motto. And yet, in spite of the setbacks, she still believes in the power of taking time to talk to people about what they believe in. 
For her, it's not about fixing all the world's divisions through some magical kumbaya moment. Not every conversation will lead to an action tomorrow, but I see them as sowing seeds. It's about taking the first step towards a more just and understanding world. Christina Kim, KBBS News. Have a question? Leave us a voicemail at 619-630-8516. Leela Lee created the comic Angry Little Asian Girl back in 2000. Moments with My Mother is her latest collection of comics, this one featuring the series' titular character, a grade school Korean girl, and her mother. The comic is fueled by humor and insight that is both very personal and universal. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke to Leela Lee about creating her comic's character and what makes them both angry. So Leela... Tell us how Angry Little Asian Girl started. What was the impetus to get you to start writing these comics? The impetus of Angry Little Asian Girl was I was invited to watch Spike and Mike's Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation. And I came out of there more upset because of the cartoons I had seen. And my friend who took me in challenged me to make a cartoon about myself. And so I went home and I drew Angry Little Asian Girl. The first episode was the first day of school where she's going to her first day of school and she encounters a classroom where she's the only Asian person. I had just had so much bottled up angst about trying to fit in and then also going home and not being good enough there. So I had a lot of material from just my inner life to draw from. And for people who may not be familiar with the character, describe her. What is she like? Well, obviously angry, but angry in a way where she is put upon and expected to serve everyone and obey everyone but herself. So those are the things that really, I think, made me angry, but I couldn't articulate it. So it's been this long process of drawing comics to sort of unearth what it is and what the reasons were that made me angry and made her angry because she's sort of like the voice I wish I had. She, I guess, has the an ability to discern what is actually really happening and distill it into sharp, short words and to speak her mind, which are things that I actually do not possess. <laughs> Although I've gotten better at it because of this character. So one of the things that's been consistent for you is family life and your mom. So how has that played out? Yeah, the Angry Little Asian Girl moments with my mother are a collection of the mother comics that I've been drawing throughout the years. I started compiling them into different folders, and then I realized that I had enough comics for that folder, and it had to deal with the mother. What I'm working out is sort of the, I guess, generational conflict and also just kind of like the needs that are different from, you know, an immigrant first generation to the children, the second generation. Immigrant parents are so focused on survival, food, clothing, shelter, education. They want their kids to do better than them. And then oftentimes when the immigrant kids get educated, they have new ideas, which I think really frighten the immigrant parents' obedience hierarchy. It's so funny how I see immigrant parents sort of like cherry picking what things they will adopt into the family. 
and it's the irony of like immigrant families and parents that have left a country that oppressed them. They obviously had to leave because something wasn't working there. And then when they come to America, they focus on economic progress, but a lot of times social progress is not prioritized. So I found that as a child of immigrants that I was straddling two worlds. One was really old and the other one was new. And I had to do a lot of code switching when I went from home to school. So the family, I think, holds dear these traditions that actually have ingrained in them a lot of oppression. You know, the, the traditions of um, daughters being a certain way or marrying by a certain age or marrying in order or, you know, having a son and the gender preference. I mean, those things are are ingrained in the culture, but how, I mean, so the fight is always like, how do you separate misogyny from the culture? <laughs> like, how do you extract those, keep one and keep not the other? And also the Korean culture and Asian cultures, there's so much obedience in the way that you even speak. The language is imbued with obedience. Bowing is also very obedient. So it's just, it clashes, I think, with the, the American values of being like a cowboy and a rebel and speaking up and fighting for your rights. You know, in Asian families, how do you fight for your rights when you're not allowed to speak at the dinner table, you know? That was Beth Accomando speaking with Leela Lee. Her book, Angry Little Asian Girl, Moments with My Mother, was released last month. You can listen to the full interview at kpbs.org. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.